I like a bed that's really firm. I need something a little softer than that. Rest easy. With the Sleep Number 360 smart bed, you can both adjust your comfort with your Sleep Number setting. Can it really help me fall asleep faster? Yes, by gently warming your feet. Okay, but can it help keep us asleep? It senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you effortlessly comfortable. Sleep Number, proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. It's our biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Things with our father are not good. He's in uh, ER. Uh, the next 72, 72 hours are critical. And I was like, okay, fuck me. So we continued doing the workshop. And then um, I received a FaceTime call from Sissy. Hey, you know what, what's going on? Yeah, Jorge just told me. And then I just saw her face and I was like, yeah, it just happened. And, and I arrived to Mexico, to my hometown, three days after my father passed away. I first met Fer Juaristi in 2012. He invited me over to shoot a wedding together in Cancun, Mexico, and uh, we had a great time. Since then, both Cole and I have worked together with Fair at weddings, and Fair has stayed at our places a few times during his travels. So uh, we've got to know him quite well over the years, but there are a lot of layers to Fair. He's not just a little Mexican man with a funny accent. Um, and hopefully this talk today with Fair Juaristi will show you sides of him that you haven't seen before. This fifth episode of the Way Up North podcast, the interview podcast where my colleague Cole interviews the speakers coming to Way Up North this fall, is sponsored by one of our awesome event sponsors, Wooden Banana. Wooden Banana is a small business in the UK that makes handmade packaging for prints, albums, and memory sticks. Since they're small, they're a dynamic company with great service, and the quality of their products is really amazing. If you're listening in the Acast app, you can see photos of their products right now, And if you're not listening in Acast, you can check out their website, woodenbanana.com. They'll also be showcasing their products at Way Up North in Stockholm. And if you're already interested in some of their stuff right now, you can get a 10% off discount by using the code WAYUPNORTH uh, in one word in their online store. So thank you very much, Wooden Banana, for sponsoring this episode. And we're positive people will be very impressed with the quality of the products when they see them at Way Up North. All right, here is Cole's talk with Fer Juaristi from June 2015. Fer Juaristi, how are you, man? Hey, dude, all good, man. Where are you, man? <laughs> Finally, I'm home. <laughs> so you're in Monterrey, yeah. Monterrey, Mexico. Yes, everybody has a house here in Monterrey, Mexico with the Juaristi family. Yeah, it's just one one big house and all the waristis live in it. Yeah, it's a fucking mansion, dude. <laughs> Everybody lives here. No, 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 just kidding, dude. No, just a normal house with all my three kids and my awesome dog and my awesome wife. Three awesome ki- dog and wife doesn't mix in the same sentence, but yeah, we can skip that shit. Yeah. <laughs> How old are your kids? Uh, I have three little boogers. Uh, Maya, it's almost seven next week. And Jos is almost four, and Ava it's only a few months, like uh, almost five months. So you're a family man. You're a family man and a traveling man. Yeah, yeah. It's I never saw myself in 
any in those, uh, how say, stages or faces or squares, but yeah, I'm both. <laughs> like the Traveler and the Family Man, you didn't see them coming together? Yeah, like uh, I didn't start traveling until I was 20-something. No, I, I had a really just like normal life, just like uh, I, it wasn't any adventurous or my life wasn't expected to be as a destination wedding photographer per se or or just a destination dude traveling i no i was uh, born and raised in a border town in near texas uh but in the mexican side so the major uh, how say source of income it's uh gas natural gas and oil and all that so yeah expectations of living out of a camera were extremely low so it's an industrial town and the logical path probably would have been more like getting a uh, an industrial job working in gas or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, a, a lot of my friends or uh, just uh, known dudes, uh, they, they don't go to college. They didn't even finish high school. They just go there, start working as a, as a gas boy, and they do shit, tons of money. So... In Monterey, is it? It's a big city. It sounds like a city that's got a lot of money. Is it a different city now compared to when you grew up? Is it more of a, it, it, like, are you part of some sort of a generation of artistic people who are kind of changing the vibe in the city, or is it still more of a gritty industrial town? Well, well, I, I was born and raised in Reynosa. Uh, Reynosa, it's uh, like almost three hours away from Monterey. Monterey, it's, it when I was growing up was like a New York. You know, like a, like the the big cities. You know, land of opportunities and all that stuff. Okay, so what? So the town that you grew up in was like quite a bit smaller. Like, are we talking like a tiny village? No, no, no. It's uh, like a, for European standards, it's quite big. It's like a like almost a million dudes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but but yeah, it's uh, it has uh, how say like floating population. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, manufacturing and. Like living in a border, uh, it's uh, it's crazy in so many ways. Like uh, like I remember when I was growing up, we knew who the drug dealers or the drug uh, lords were, and you just say hi to them, you know. And they were like nice people, you know. And and nowadays it's complicated, but yeah. So are you talking like like big cartels or what? What, what do you mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. When when I was like eight to twelve years old. Uh, uh, they were in a lot of cartels, like nowadays, that you see a lot of uh, bad news about Mexico and all that. Everybody was divided. They have their own territories, and they did their stuff, and that was it, you know? And everybody knew who they were. Everybody, yeah, they were nice dudes, man. They they, they take they took care of the cities So, well. So is it sort of like... Uh like a great myth to those who live outside of Mexico that it's all bad, bad, bad with these cartel people? Well, the thing is, like, nowadays, uh, now there are more cartels. So all the cartels are fighting their own territory because Mexico is the same size as it was before. But now they, they, want, they want a bigger part. And, yeah, it's, it's all fucked up. I'm not a very well-known... Uh, I don't study a lot of politicians. I, I fucking hate the news. Uh, really, dude. Like, I, if I don't see a newspaper or a, or the news for a year, I'm a fucky, a happy guy. Well, if you, a fucky, a fucky. If you ignore the problem, it goes away, right? 
No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, what what's it like for you now? Like, we'll, we'll get to how you got to where you are now, but I'm curious, like, right now, what's it like for you running a business? Because, I mean, is it a situation where you have to pay off a cartel or something like that? Or is it totally not like that? Like, what's it actually like for, you know, an entrepreneur living there? Yeah, well... Uh, a few years ago, it, w- it was a bit complicated. Like, uh, if you had like a like an office, like a like a, a front street office, yeah, there were a few uh, like uh, they 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 came to you and they asked for a a monthly payment uh, in exchange for your security. Yeah, yeah, that that happened. Not not to me. I, I have never had a, an office. I always work from from home. Uh, so yeah, I never had that problem, but, uh, like I remember in, in Monterrey, uh, it's, it's, a uh, 4 million people live here and a lot of the people, the, uh, entrepreneurs or big businesses that they were driving like fancy cars. They, they left those cars in, in their driveways and they pick up like a, like an old car or like an old pickup. So they didn't, uh, yeah. So say so they didn't recognize them. So is that so, yeah. is that something that like worries you, or do you think that if you just maintain kind of a, a low profile and don't work in Mexico, <laughs> that no problems <laughs> will come your way? No, no, no. It's it's uh, uh, it's it's crazy. A lot of times when I speak with with another friends from different countries, I tell them that Mexico is still a, th- a third world country, third world country. Mm. And they don't believe it. And but yeah, we are. We have a lot of difference between the rich and the poor. Uh, so life's on the street as well. And so it's, but it's, it's in our blood. Like uh, we're used to it. So mm. we, you just need to know how to have a, a low profile that you were saying and, and finding a way to, to make it happen for, for, for your family. But yeah, we don't, we don't trust our government. That sucks. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all complicated around here. So you, you, you have like a cinematic background, right? A uh, uh, frustrated cinematic background. <laughs> so why don't you why don't you share a bit about that? Yeah, uh, well, uh, uh, I was in high school when I grabbed my first camera, like a D, not DSLR, SLR only, uh, the famous Pentax K1000, uh, Camille, we say it here in Mexico, like Camila, but it's K-Mille. Uh And I started playing with it. Uh, I just went to the lab and I bought like three rolls of black and white film. And... I was doing like a. ¿Qué onda, güero? Oye. Sorry, bro. No, it's okay. ¿Está atorada la puerta? No, está cerrada con llave, mi amor. Ahorita no están los abuelos. En un ratito llegan. ¿Ok? Por acá no los abuelos no van a llegar. Mis abuelos Maribel. Sí, ahorita llega la abuela Maribel. Es que ahorita me entiendo yo de Lisa que las iguales. Ahorita se la pedimos. A ver si, a ver si nos la presta. See, I was in a trajo. Ready, bro. That's cool, man. Yeah. Three freaking kiddos, man. It's crazy. Okay, so with Monterey, like it can't all be bad. So what's what's the best part now about like running a, an artistic business there? Can't all be cons. So like, what are some of the biggest positives? No, no, no. It's the well nowadays. Uh, I don't. I have zero weddings here in Monterey. It's like zero, none. Like uh, nobody knows what I do here. 
And that's how you avoid. That's how you avoid the big cartel. Uh, I I think so. Yeah, and, and I love uh, how say ano, anonymity. Anonymity. How yeah. say? Yeah, I can't. Anonymity. <laughs> I know. I know <laughs> what you mean. To be anonymous. Yeah, we can do a song about that. Yeah, to be anonymous here. Uh, but yeah, like uh, my business has has switched crazier uh, in 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 so many ways. But the, that yeah, that I started uh, as a local photographer in in my hometown, border town. Uh, doing weddings for friends, and uh, when I got my first Monterrey wedding, I was like, "Yeah, I'm in the big leagues now." Oh, really? Okay. You know, because yeah, yeah, because Monterrey it's it's the second or third biggest city in Mexico. So yeah, it's a it's a very how say like business wise uh, community here. There's a lot of uh, like awesome chefs uh, from from all the, all over Mexico. Um, there's a lot of new businesses here. Like uh, one of the richest populations in all Mexico lives here in in a, in a, in a neighbor or a small community, and it's like 20 minutes away from where we live. So yeah, like uh, as as a business guy, you see a lot of opportunities from living here, and also we have a big airport as well. Okay. And education as well for for my kiddos uh, in Mexico. Like you need to be you need to live in a big city to have good education for your kids everything's private so yeah you need a good private school so when you're growing up what kind of education did you have were you in one of those good private schools or did you go to a public school yeah uh when when i was growing up there was like a lot of uh, bonanza in my family uh my father he 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 was a doctor so yeah we we got a really nice education like i'm still a fucking donkey but we got really good education uh and then university as well and high school. So yeah, I, I was one of the lucky guys who who got really prepared. Like uh, I remember like I was like three years old and we were doing like English classes. Oh really? You know, just Yeah. So what what, what sorts of things were interesting to you growing up? Did you think you were gonna be a, a scientist or maybe uh going to politics or something crazy? No, uh like uh, uh my family we are we are three brothers. Uh and I have always been like the like the daydreamer, the I don't know what the fuck I'm doing 99% of my time. Uh, but uh, I didn't ended up. Uh, my first passion was video games. Oh really? I love yeah, I love that shit, man. Yeah, like uh, and 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 it helped me as well. Like I uh, learned English. Like I I was going to to a English school, and then I was playing video games, and I was reading the, all that stuff because back in that time, like 80, 80, 88, 89, uh, they weren't any voiceovers on, on video games, so you had to read a lot. Mm-hmm. So I, I I learned a lot by by reading that stuff, and and I I, I was involved in that interactive uh, activity, and then on junior high. Uh, I I started a, a group, a music group. My my brother, he's like a genius with instruments, and I start playing drums because of him. So yeah, since since I was uh, eleven till I was twenty twenty one, I al- always belonged to a to a music band, to a rock band. Oh wow! So you're a video game guy and a rock star guy, and you sort of always have been involved in these artistic endeavors. Then it sounds like. Yeah, because like uh, like the norms, I remember uh, feeling quite stupid when I was growing up. 
like it, it, it was hardcore to be my brother, older brother. He's like a like a straight A student, and I was always just like I don't know what I'm doing here. No, I needed to hard to have like extra effort to to be okay at school. Were you fairly hard on yourself with that? Like like I mean, if you felt like you were not doing great things and you felt stupid or however you describe it there like like were you pretty uh was your confidence level pretty low growing up would you say yeah yeah i'm one of the low self-esteem dudes for sure oh that's interesting so you you also said there that you're a daydreamer is do you feel that do you feel like kind of like being a daydreamer and playing video games sort of gave you kind of an exit from the real world or something like that yeah, like I was always like the the prankster, the joker. I I have never been like a like a super loner dude. I'm I'm always surrounded by by by, by friends and stuff. Until I was in high school, that I started to 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 write my own songs and poems and all that shit, and I started to become a loner. But but yeah, like uh, daydreaming for me has has always helped me a lot to to see what's on the other side. You know, like a. Here you have to. I remember my my uncles and my father telling me, "You don't have to love your work. You just have to work." And I was like, "Fuck no, man! I I, I really need to. F- I no, really. I'm I was always that guy, you know, that kid that yeah. There's there's another way of doing things. I didn't knew what or how or where, but I knew there was another 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 way." So you're a little older and wiser than you were when you were the 11 year old kid playing video games. But do you like if you had to describe yourself right now, like your your personality, you uh-huh. you had to like write an email to someone who had never heard of you before. Uh, in that in that email, like how would you describe yourself now, like your personality? Oh fuck, man! Uh, I'm a like self self doubter. I, I doubt a, a lot about myself. You know, like I'm I, I'm. I don't know, man. I, I don't know when this switch happened that my, how to say, uh, my, the opposite of strengths, my weaknesses, yeah, yeah. Uh, be, became my, my, my strengths. In, in, I think because, because I found a way to express, you know, like, like for me, like being, being uh, bad at math or just like reading, I think the crazy thing is like uh, since since my father was a doctor i i have never gone to a doctor to see what's wrong with me oh really you know i really man i i, I have never taken like uh, i don't know pills because of this i have never gone to a psychologist or psych psychiatrist so i think i have a lot of shit but i prefer not to know you know <laughs> so so i'm like yeah fucking man let's let's see what happens well, what, what you just said there <clears throat> sort of re- it reminded me of a, an author named Ryan, um, uh, Ryan Holiday, and he's got a book. It's called The Obstacle is the Way. I haven't read it yet, but it, it's a book I'm really interested in. But that phrase, The Obstacle is the Way, do you, feel like, do you feel like how you are with your personality is a reflection of your work in a way? Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, it's it's uh, like I um, – how do you say? Like a – you know when 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 there's a guy I don't know like an engineer that can describe every step of the way of how he did something. Mm-hmm. I'm the total fucking opposite, man. You know when people ask me how you did this stuff, how you did this picture, what's your thought process? Most of the time I don't have a clue, man. 
Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, I think I, I, I learned by by osmosis or some shit like that, man. You know, it's it's not that I read and then I I remember like I, I like I have like a short memory, man, like quite short. If you ask me about like specific things about my na- uh, my uh, childhood, I don't remember nothing, man. It's it's only when I'm just I don't know taking a bath or just with my kids, then I don't know like a flashback comes to me so vividly, boom, and I'm like, holy, fuck, now I remember. Oh wow! No, but if I want to remember, if I want to go back, I can't. It's crazy. How would you describe your work? If you okay, pretend you're writing that same email to this. Uh-huh. mysterious person who's never heard of you and you had only like maybe a few words or one sentence or something to describe your work how would you describe it uh i i wanted to have uh to be abstract in a way that what you're seeing it's not so obvious you know but because because of that it generates a feeling so so, so i i think it's the the emotional and abstract uh, mixed uh, sometimes it's 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 more abstract and sometimes it's more emotional but I think those two words uh, really uh, push me to to create my own style or whatever that is well that's interesting <clears throat> because before I asked you that I, I was actually I was thinking about uh, Jeff Bridges the actor and photographer uh, because you led me to a podcast and I listened to the podcast and then I looked at Jeff Bridges' Facebook page and um, he was describing Mary Ellen Mark who recently died. And when yeah. he was describing her, he said, I'm probably getting the quote wrong, but basically he said it's impossible to separate the photographer's point of view from their images. And mm. and I was in, just listening to you kind of describe who you are as a person and what your images are like. I think that's kind of interesting with you because you've you found that balance, I think, in my opinion, anyway, looking at your work and mm-hmm. hearing who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, yeah, I, yeah, no, no, that's it, man. And and the, the crazy thing about being like a, a artsy wedding photographer or whatever that is, it's that uh, it, it can be a, a, like a niche market that really understands your shit. But at the same time, while you're doing your own shit, people tend to forget why they book you so so yeah i, I have told this a, a few times that sometimes on a wedding on, on the same wedding day you know sometimes i feel like a fucking like an artist not not genius or not no just like i'm creating something that excites me that generates a, a good vibe a flow of adrenaline in me and then two minutes later i feel like a like a, a prostitute or a whore man because i have to the same couple that they were excited about booking me, and I'm even though I explain on my website what to expect, they won ten fucking table shots. Has this been a, a constant problem? If you call it a problem, I don't even know if you do. But if you call it a problem, has it always been there since day one with your business, or is it more now, or are you fading it out? Like, are you trying to make a change with that? No, like I, I, I don't want to ruin any, anybody's life, you know. Like, so I try to divide my time. I, I try to. To make them happy and, and be the the jazz man, dude. And then when I have a chance and I feel inspired because sometimes the couple say, "Okay, now what? For do your magic?" And you're like, "Oh fuck, I don't have anything." Man. You know that shit happens as well. That's interesting. So you're you're not just constantly pumping out magical shit. 
No, dude, <laughs> never, man. <laughs> no, it's it's once every blue moon that I really find something that moves me. So before you were a wedding photographer, you were in a band, you said. Um, did you have any, like, visual um, paths that you started down before you became a wedding photographer? Uh-huh. Uh, well, when I was in music, I, I was obsessed, obsessed with that stuff. And then we did like a diffuse recording of, of like a, de a demo of our music on on, on tape, uh, the like multi how say multi multi tracks like multi multi tracks yeah, so we needed a cover. So, yeah, I I took the picture, uh, I I did some um, how say uh, I, I I grabbed some paper and I just used my scissors I cut like a few words and just pieces of art and shit and I mixed it together. I did like a collage. And I remember when, when I was growing up, I was obsessed with, with collages, man. So what around what year was this when you um, made the, the band collage? Uh, it was like 90... Like, like it doesn't have to be exact, like mid-90s? Yeah, yeah, mid-90s, man. Maybe even earlier. Yeah. And around how old were you then? I was, I was like 14. 14, 13, 14, 15, yeah. So you were just a young lad. Yeah, man, like, a, yeah. I, I, I really remember that shit, man. Like, a, a, I have always been obsessed with the future. Welcome to the future, that shit, man. And so, yeah, like, for me, music, it's, it's a way, it was a way to just fuck the future, man. I'm here. No, let's 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 be here and let's just create something for us. So were you, like, the kind of kid who had a subscription to like Rolling Stone or Spin and you, you cut it all up and made huge collages on your on your wall at home. Were you that kind of kid? Yeah, I, I, well, I was subscribed to uh, video games magazines and, and I had this obsession of going to, uh, to a record uh, shops and buying random uh, cassettes just, just by the cover. Just like that, man. Like, let's see what happens, man. And then obligating myself to listen from start to end like no matter what and i was imitating that on my drum kids on my drum kit wow that's amazing so like were you a good drummer or were you just like a guy banging sticks together on a drum kit like like were you actually no no, no. I, I i like for my hometown standards like uh i was pretty good but not for like a universal like guys who who are like geniuses, you know, or like uh, whiskeys of, of drums. No, I was I was good enough. I I think it's the same with my photography. I'm not the most technical guy, but I know ways of placing the elements or adding the rhythms. So it's an interesting rhythm. Okay, so do you think that like that process of creating music when you were a kid? Do you think that that process, you know, is sort of the same with how you create? visual art now i i think it's it's a really big part of it because i'm like until until today i'm uh, today today sorry i'm always like air drumming and i'm always trying to find different rhythms uh just like uh like like jazz rhythms you know like it's not like no it's more like so it's more like a you have you have to think what you're doing but it's it's at the same time, you have to forget that you're thinking and you start to add an emotion or a, or a feeling to it. 
That's really cool, man. Like it, now I can see that this is the daydreamer fair, right? Like this is what sep- uh-huh. this is what separates you, I guess, from other people a little bit. Because it sounds to me like you got a lot of shit going on in your mind. Yeah, yeah, and and it's and it's because I'm always always until today, even if I go to any room I I go, I feel like the underdog, always, man. You know, so are you motivated by that? Does that motivate you? I I think it's uh, it has helped me to develop really good friendships, you know, really deep friendships. I, I, I hate like small chat, no, like a, like with a good friend or, or with a, a person I meet on the street. I'm one of those guys like, Hey, yeah. And what's next for you? You know, I'm always asking that kind of shit. You know, it's not like, Oh, beautiful weather. Right? Like, fuck no, man. Like, let's go deep, dude. You know, I, I, I like that stuff. You got a pretty very you got a big person like you have a lot of layers to your personality it sounds like. Yeah and and I still remember when I was growing up I was obsessed with uh, old people. You know like uh like yeah I had my friends at at school and I wasn't a weirdo and shit I was always uh very hyperactive as, as I am as today but I I was always obsessed with uh stories not storytelling just like stories like hey how how did you meet uh, your your lady, you know that kind of shit. Uh, to ask to old dudes that, and like, uh, how were you when you were growing up? Like, how was uh, living when the when the war was going on? No, like uh, I love that shit. You know, like uh, I'm like always asking. I don't do anything with that, but I love. I prefer to listen than 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 to speak. I think uh, when it's my time. So. You're when you're in your teens, when you're getting to mm-hmm. like the back half of, of your teenage years and you decide to go to school, you said you went to university, is that right? Uh huh. Yeah. To study like mass mass media. Mass media. Like a uh, mass media. Yeah. Like a uh, TV production, audio, uh, like uh, radio, uh, uh, journalism, all that stuff. And what made you want to study all that? Uh, because. At, at that time, that was before internet. <laughs> uh, at that time, I I saw that in the first year, we had a class about photography. And that's why I went to study mass media. Because of the photography program. Or, um, pardon me, the, the photography class within the program. Yeah, because uh, a few other courses, you had photography class, but until your fourth year or third year. And in this one, it was like you started photography right away. So I was like, yeah, let's go for it. Do you remember a specific moment that made you say to yourself, I, I have to study photography. I want to be a photographer. Uh, yeah, like um, uh, an uncle of mine and, and my yeah, my grandfather, my father's way, uh, they were news guys. They had a, a newspaper in a small town, another border town. And before going to university, I asked him, "Hey, I want to go to the to the newspaper and see how how it is. It how's life as as a as a news guy." So I went there for almost two months, and I lived uh, in in the newspaper industry for for two months. So I learned design that I love, but I I suck at it big time. So that's when I started using Photoshop because I'm like, yeah, I can take a picture, I can scan it, and I can play with it. So, like, I started, like, uh, how you say, like a, like a social magazine yeah. that 
I went to, I went to the parties. I took pictures of people who were there, and then I did the cover. So the cover was like the the cute guy or the cute girl. I took the cover like I, like they were like uh, actors or celebrities. Yeah. And then I did this fucked up design with like Photoshop and bees and flowers. So that was the cover. So I invented the name of that um, newspaper. Uh, how to say article? Yeah. So it was like a, a weekly thing uh, for for two months, and then I was like, yeah, I want to be a photographer. That's really that's a kind of a interesting thing to do at that time. Do you remember like why you were doing it? And what I mean is like, were you interested in just going out and having an excuse to take pictures or were you doing it because you felt super fulfilled with the, like holding the, the newspaper? Like what were, what was motivating you to do this? I think it, it, it was fun. It, it was like a, a, as a kid, uh, I didn't believe that I was able to, to produce stuff. You know, I thought that I was going to be more like a, yeah, you have to pinch some nails, you know, you have to like some mechanical shit, you know? So so when I found that I was like, yeah, this I can do this for 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 life and I can have fun of doing this and it can open me and uh, a lot of doors as well. So, yeah, it it, it was really cool to 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 see the possibilities of that transition of of a guy who doesn't believe in himself to a guy who, yeah, I can do this shit. And people say, wow, and you are experimenting and you're just having fun doing it. Do you remember a specific thing that maybe it was a picture or maybe it was like something you wrote or maybe it was a song you wrote or something, but do you remember a specific thing that you created that you got a reaction from somebody and that somebody said, that's fucking awesome. And do you remember what that thing was and what it felt like? Yeah, we, we did like a, a photo session from my girl and there was like a old uh, uh, plane like from war. Uh, so we did a session there, like like the new Iceland, the, the Iceland one that we have seen a few times. I think you have <laughs> been there as well, but in a, in a border town, imagine this. So when I took those, I, I, I don't know, it was like creating your own universe, you know, like forgetting about uh, the smells and the Tex-Mex music playing in the background and just just creating something that allowed me to to navigate into a different universe, man. I think that that was my my hit. It, it, it hooked me because of that. All right. So you're going through school and the photography pro course was like the carrot at the, the end of the stick that got you into the program. So when the program was nearing an end and you were almost finished with your education, what were you doing at that time? Where were, where were you at? What did you think you were going to end up doing? Well, in the meanwhile, uh, I discovered uh, uh, like motion pictures. And, and I was amazed because of it, because it's like, okay, okay, it's a camera. It's the same instrument, but I can document movement. Awesome. Yeah, cool. So a good friend of mine, uh, Ricardo, now he's an awesome cinematographer. And now I'm doing photography, still photography. We did like a, a music video. We did like a hardcore music video of, of a like a kind of a uh, do you remember uh, how say Linkin Park? Yeah, you know yeah. that group. Yeah. Well, the, it was like a Mexican version of Linkin Park. Was it your band? No, 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 no. This was another band. Ah, okay. This was another band. So, so we did a music video uh, for for this band. Uh, 
So we traveled there. We, we did it in, it was before digital, before DSLR. So we did everything in mini DV. That was the format uh, of the cameras. So yeah, we rented like a, a power source and we went to Home Depot and we bought some lights. And so it was freaking genius. Like, a, like they were skaters and we went to this awesome like water dump, but with no water. So it was like a big production for two dudes, you know? We were like uh, 18, I think, by that time, or or 19. And we just did a music video, man. And, and, and we did the edit, we did the color correcting, color correction, and I was hooked with that shit again. So yeah, it, motion graphics, everything. So did you, did you continue making movies after this one awesome music video? Yeah, like after that, we did a few, a few like commercials. So after I graduated, uh, I wanted to become a cinematographer. Now I was going to the movies because of the cinematographer's credits. So I, I, I left photography on the side. I was still doing a few paid jobs, like uh, go to this uh, manufacturing uh, building and take pictures of it, or take pictures of these wannabe models, that kind of stuff. I, I was still doing that or go to a school and take pictures of kids. Uh, but yeah, like uh, the motion camera uh, hooked me. So we started to do that shit. So after I graduated from university, I went to work at a TV station. Uh, so so I, I was 21 years old and the, ma- the main producer was there and he was doing a good job. And after six months, he quit. So they gave me all the responsibility to me. So like, okay, we have a, a a news channel here. Go for it, man. It's your time to shine. You were like 20 years old? I was 20. Yeah, 21. I was 21. Wow, Mexican. Dude, I, it was... But at the, at the same time, it was awesome because they let me hire other friends. So I, I, I hired three friends from university, and we were living in this small town. It's called Piedras Negras. It's a border town here in Mexico. So we had a, a network for, for ourselves, experiment and play and do animations and do movies. And so it's a really good school. We were working like 24 seven because they, they were uh, three, how say news shows, one in the early morning, one in, at midday and one at night. So yeah, we didn't sleep that much. Okay, cool. So, so these this Mexican television studio hired a twenty-one or a twenty-year-old guy to just kind of run everything. So, like you, you come off as um, you're a funny guy and you're outgoing and you call yourself a daydreamer and all that. But you wouldn't have got hired for that type of job unless you had something serious about you, because that seems like a lot of responsibility. So, with your personality, do you do you kind of like? know when to turn it on and turn it off and be serious and and not be serious or do you think you're kind of like this is who i am all the time just a fun mexican monkey no i i became uh like a like a grown-up for the year and a half that i was there you know because uh yeah like responsibility hit me yeah so i had like a like a long long relationship uh girlfriend as well so i was saving to see her every few months as well so yeah i took that job very seriously so i became mr fair and that shit man you know i was even 
I was tucking my shirt and everything, you know. <laughs> yeah. With I, I'm I don't know why, but this kind of struck this came to my mind. Like, do you feel like you're the same guy to the the English speaking world as you are to the Spanish speaking world? I don't have a clue, brother. Believe me, man. I I try to be as tra transparent as I can, you know. Like I just blah throw everything out. But yeah, I I don't know. It, it's like. Uh, like business wise, it's I am I'm getting more destination weddings, like for uh, Europeans or Americans or Canadians getting married in Mexico, and I'm doing a, I'm doing a few Mexican weddings, but not a lot. And for my friends, uh, I don't know. Every time I come to Monterrey, like the, I usually stick more with my family, and I see my friends, but very rarely. So I think I have I have a lot of good friends when I travel because there's no other thing to do than grab a beer and have a good chat. And when I'm here, I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a, I'm, I I want to be with the family. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so you're to go back again. The television gig that you had. Uh, when did that end? When did that end? And and what was next? It was 2003 when it ended. So after uh, like. 2003 was was intense for me because my long-term relationship ended and my and I quit my job at the same time. So I went back to music. Like uh, uh, one of the guys who who played the keyboards when I was growing up, when I was like a 14, 15, 16, he still was playing in a, in a rock band here in Monterrey. So this guy invited me to, hey man, come over here. Let's do a, a album design for our first album, and let's do a few music videos. For that time, I think I, it was like two thousand uh, dollars, and I bought like a exposure meter, like the the most fancy one I could buy. <laughs> I, I bought like a, a video camera, and then I came to Monterrey with a few hundred bucks, and I started my life here doing music videos for for a few bands. So what were the music videos like? Um, and what I mean is, were you like doing like documenting a concert or were you like the creative director and doing really elaborate off the wall type stuff? Like what kind of stuff were you actually making? Yeah, it was the creative stuff, but uh, extremely low budget uh, guerrilla stuff. We were... What is guerrilla? What does that mean? And guerrilla means like uh, you're like a one guy army. Okay. <laughs> You know, like I, I didn't have an assistant, so I went to buy the lighting. Uh, we find the place. Uh, I was the 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 cameraman. I was lighting. I was doing the editing. I was doing the color correction. I was doing every single thing. That's a lot of work. So you were doing I, how yeah. how busy were you? Uh, it, I did like a around not that many, maybe like ten music videos in my in my life. What was influencing you at that time uh, in terms of like the output of those music videos, or were you just like winging it? Yeah, most of the time, like uh, I have always get this uh, comment, like we love your shit, but we don't understand it. <laughs> you know that 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 was the main thing about my stuff. You know, so because it was the same, it was abstract, it was emotional, but it wasn't storytelling. You know, they didn't have a beginning or an end. You saw a girl running, then you saw a girl dead, and then 
there was these Tex-Mex guys playing the accordion and then, you know, just <laughs> random stuff that I was finding everywhere I go. And was it like pretty well received? Like, did you did, did you have an audience that was growing with all of this weird shit you were coming up with? Yeah, like I, I was able to like it was really low, low income stuff. But because of that, I, I was able to meet like the the big names of the industry when I was doing this shit. Like uh, uh, a few of, of the, these guys were amazed about the quality of the job with the gear I had back in that time. So you were so were they, they were impressed that you were creating good stuff with kind of not so great gear. Is that what you mean? Uh huh. Yeah, because they were using like uh, film cameras. They were using uh, yeah, like a. Uh, uh, 16 millimeter cameras, you know, they were doing the big shit. There was like uh, the cinematographer, there, there was the gaffer, there was the camera guy, there was the director. You know, it was a, it was a team of people doing that shit, and I was like one guy doing that shit. What what did it teach you? Like, what was like the main lesson you you could take out of of those years making the music videos that that you apply today? I think uh, that. I became a loner, like a, like creative wise, you know, like I, I, I yeah, I, I think that I, I started to believe in my own shits when I, when I was doing that, and that a lot of people were ripping off, uh, like price wise because they needed everything to do a, 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 a video or produce something, and I was like, dude, I can do it on my own, you know, so. I learned that I learned how to work with whatever you have in front of you and and enjoy that process. Did you do anything else on the side? Like did and what I mean by that is at that time when you're making music videos, um mm -hmm. were you like thinking, okay, if this falls through, how am I gonna pay the bills? Yeah. At at that time my, my life was pretty uh easy, you know, like uh, my rent was like a hundred bucks. Uh, I was eating just like tuna fish cans and that kind of stuff. You know, my main goal was I don't want to go back to my hometown. I don't want to go back, and and I had a lot of pressure from my from my father. Like, hey, come over here, man. Stop earning four hundred dollars a month. You know, come come to come back to Reynosa, and I can find you a job. You know, a real job, a man's job. You know that kind of shit. And I was like, no, I'm fine here doing my playing with my shit. Wow. So where do you feel like you're like kind of motivated by proving maybe your your dad wrong? I, I have I have never tried to prove no one. I, I'm just want to like make my own path. You know, like I'm I'm asking the why not or, or the what ifs, you know, but not for the main goal of making people angry. It's just for for making things more interesting uh, for for my own what what type of what type of things were were interesting to you uh in in like your mid 20s because you're like in your mid 30s uh -huh. now and in your mid your mid 20s you stopped doing the the music videos at some point so what was interesting to you at that time and, and what direction did you go from there okay well uh i was still obsessed with cinematographers you know i, I was always watching the, the, the Mexican cinematographers growing and, and conquering all that stuff uh, now in Hollywood and everything. Uh, I have always been obsessed with good melodies, with good music. I don't give a damn about what they say. <laughs> you 
you know, I just want to feel something out of music. So uh, like I, I I love like uh, like I have a crush on I I don't know in uh, Dave Matthews band, you know because they 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 are the perfect mix of like jazz players, but at the same time uh, enough su- success to survive and go touring, you know. But and they produce a lot of stuff, you know. They they it seems that they don't think a lot of stuff. They they just jam, you know. And I love that jamming improvising just making things happen for you you know like I, i'm obsessed with that what cinematographers um, specifically were you drawn to uh well a lot of uh the producers of like film noir uh like greg almond was one of these guys uh gordon wheelies the guy who did uh the godfather series no, the like, like, like those guys, man. Uh, then uh, Janusz Kaminski, he's he's like a crazy dude. Like he's well known for I don't know Schindler's Schindler's List. Uh, Steven Spielberg, the black and white movie about the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schindler's classic, li- yeah. That guy. Yeah, you know. But forget about the movies. I don't fucking care about the movies, man. The 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 images, man. Just how how can they hit you? Like for me, watching movies on mute, it's awesome. Really? You know, like I, I, yeah, man. Every time I'm editing a, a wedding or something, I always have a big fucking artsy uh, second monitor watching like a fucked up movie, man. What What is the best music? What is your, or, pardon me, I'll rephrase it. What's your favorite movie to watch on mute? Oh, dude. Uh, like, I love, there's two movies that I love, uh, and they're more like documentary and stuff. One's called Baraka. Or Baraka, I don't know how to pronounce. And the other one's called Samsara or Samsara. Oh yeah, yeah. They're both recorded in like a IMAX, like seventy mil uh, format, and it's pure bliss to watch. And it's just holy. How do they eat that stuff? You know, like a. But yeah, like a, I'm always trying to find uh, like a like image producers or. Uh, music producers that follow my own thing you know that it's more like a of a gut feeling instead of a lot of thought process so do you feel that's is that why you were drawn to like uh a melody based artist such as like the dave matthews band or something like that because they're going more from the gut uh-huh yeah and when you go see them live uh, you don't know what's going to happen they just reproduce they jam they they, they make songs like 20 minutes long and you just get into a, like a trance, man. You're just like, fuck yeah, I'm here. I'm in the zone, man. Let's keep doing it. I, I, I love that stuff. Well, that's interesting. I was listening to an interview recently with Noel Gallagher from Oasis. And he, uh-huh. sa- he says that's how he's written all the Oasis albums. It starts with the melody, and then he'll write the melody for the entire album. And then he'll go back and write the, oh. the lyrics afterwards. So I wonder if... That's I don't know. I wonder if there's something to be said for artists just making it up as they go along and going from the gut. Yeah, or like even uh, how do you pronounce his name? Dave Grohl. Yeah. Uh, in uh, there's an awesome interview uh, with Sam Jones, the guy who we're speaking about. Uh, it's it's the same. It's everything's by God, man. Every fucking thing it's by God with that guy. And now he's do, he's doing he's directing movies and like our documentaries, and he's. He's doing it fucking awesome, man. It's and called, he uh, doesn't want to know it. Sound City. Exactly, yeah. One one is that, and the other one, it's uh, a series of 
Uh, I don't know. Yeah, he has a few. The other one, it's he he plays the drums and he directs them as well with different musicians. And it's the same. Let's, let, let's jam. Let's play. Let's go for it, man. Why the hell would you go from all of this interesting stuff, quote unquote interesting, like making music videos and, and you have this strong interest in cinematography and all that, like weddings have the reputation of being on the bottom of the artistic totem pole. I guess everybody yeah. knows that. So like, why did you get pulled into that world? I, I think because of uh, things uh, like doing awesome cinematography at, at that time, it was nearly impossible or it was quite expensive. Just to experiment was, was expensive and I didn't have the money to play with that stuff. So, uh, uh, the same group that I was, the same uh, rock band that I was uh, when I was 14 years old, the guitar player told me, hey, I'm getting married. And I was like, awesome, dude, congratulations. And and, and, and after that, uh, I told him, hey, dude, let, let me take your pictures and your video. And I'm, I'm doing this shit, and I'm, I'm taking pictures, and I'm doing video, uh, like um, commercial stuff. But I, I, I want to do your wedding. So, so because of this guy's wedding, uh, I did like a associate. I, I found an associate friend who he was an awesome uh, website web designer, and so we created a brand that it was really good looking on on, on the screen. So we started doing with 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 that wedding guy, we did uh, our website and. And we started the social media for the social media here in Mexico. So we started to upload the galleries and we started to upload the highlights of the videos. Um, and they were they were big hits for us. So I, I really found a passion in, in, in wedding photography slash videography or cinematography because it was well received. And I didn't know what I was doing. You didn't know. You didn't know what you were doing. No, no, no. And it was my first wedding, so I was like, "Yeah, let's let's see what happens." So I did some interviews before the wedding, and so I did like a music video of of the wedding. Now it's extremely used, you know. But for us, it was all new, uh, and we did the we did the engagement session on on film because I didn't have a digital camera. So th what year was this? Uh, this was 2006, 2006 or 2007. Okay, so we... Six, I think it was 2006. Uh -huh. So it sounded to me like throughout like your teens and 20s and all that, you were basically like an independent guy kind of doing your own thing is what it sounded like, like going with your gut, creating, mm -hmm. creating stuff that was fun and interesting. So to kickstart weddings, is it, did you, like, why did you start it with a team? Because this guy, he was an awesome friend at the first time to starters, and we were both uh, disemployed as well, because uh, we were working on a big like ad agency, so we quit at the same time. Whoa! Just pu just uh, just pump the brakes there. So you worked at an ad ag ad agency as well. Uh huh. Yeah. So so I was doing the music videos and. Uh, the 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 drummer and the keyboard player of the first music video I did when I was in Monterrey 
they were creatives as well, and they had this uh, recording studio. Uh, so when we met, they, they say, hey, dude, do you want to be part of our team? Let's do, let's produce music, let's record artists, and you do the photography, and you do the album cover, and you do the music video. Oh, that's really, that's really cool. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Like, the idea was fucking great. And then we started growing, and we started doing more like a like politicians, uh, TV spots and radio. And so we started to do more commercial stuff, like corporate videos. And that wasn't that cool. You know, it was more like, yeah, like now I want money. You know, I, I need the money to, to, to buy my video games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so I, I, sort, I sort of cut you off there after I asked you about working with a team. So when you were working with the team, like did you think at that time that you were going to be fair the video guy or fair the photo guy i was doing both like uh i i, I had like two so i was doing the engagement sessions like a uh, photography and then i was recording some interviews uh on, on on video and then on the wedding day i was taking pictures of the the session or the formals and then i went back to video <laughs> you know so i was doing both sides. I was I was by man. I at that time. <laughs> of course, you're a swinger. <laughs> yeah. So, so at that, so you were doing it that way. I guess it sounds to me because uh, you you just didn't know any other way to do it. So you were just doing what was interesting to you. Uh huh. Yeah. It, it it was fun. I loved the rush. Remember, I, I came from like doing the news. So on the news, there's no time to stop. You have to go, 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 and just go bananas, man. So. So starting doing videos and photos, it, it seems uh, the obvious thing for me. Yeah, I need to provide photography and video to 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 have to have weddings. So I went to a wedding fair in my hometown, and with one wedding. So we did these shitty wedding albums. We bought them like at Walmart, and I printed a few four by sixes, and I just paste them there. And I bought like my parents' TV screen, and I did like a slideshow. <laughs> so, and with that stuff, I I went to that wedding fair, and I met other photographers there, and everybody was so welcoming, man. I I found like a like a community there, because in on advertising, it was fight, fight, fight every single time. You know, they they, they nobody was friends. You know, you you. You, you you just swear to the other guys to your to your competition, and here I was like, whoa, this is different, man. This feels like a friendship, you know. So I make a good friendship with with a guy who had like a long a long time of, of being a wedding photographer. He had won a few awards uh, back in the time, and I was like, whoa, this guy he he has a really uh, how to say interest like really unique interest on on making me better as well so so i found that stuff in in the wedding industry in mexico so because of that i started to to use google uh, and and found other wedding photographers uh, in the us and in the uk that they were doing the same thing they were sharing they were uh i don't know it it felt right to do that stuff so I became more obsessed with still images than that than with video, and we we just uh, closed that company, and I started my ferjuaristi.com uh, domain. 
this was 2007, 2008, something like that. All right. So in 2007, 2008, you went your own way. More, more sort of. I mean, it sounds like you just, it was like a natural progression to do your own thing. Did you, at that at that time, were you still living on your own, eating tuna and paying $100 a month for rent and like kind of having that lifestyle? Or, or when did your significant other come into the picture? Yeah. Uh, what year was it? Ah, oh, fuck. I, I have a hard time remember. But yeah, I think it was like 2008 when I started, I, st I was still doing the music videos, the corporate works. And then I met Sissy, uh, my, my wife. So we dated for two years and a half before getting married. But yeah, when, when we got married, we were broke as fuck, man. Like zero, nothing. So uh, our wedding was paid because of, of uh, Sissy's parents and my parents. And we had a lot of, we call them padrinos in Mexico. So everybody just helps, uh, helps you to get married, man. You know, like a, uh, somebody, someone pays for the music and someone pays for the beer. So yeah, we didn't put money, man. The only thing I paid was her wedding ring. Okay. Well, we're, I, want to, I want to talk more about her, which is kind of weird maybe. Um, uh-huh. Uh, because what she's doing now is really interesting. So we'll talk about what she's doing now in a minute. But at that time when you're when you're starting out, like what sort of influence did she have on you being this artistic entrepreneur? Well, she she just believed, man, and it was the first time that someone believed, man. You know, like, and and it was intense because at that time all her friends were getting married, man. So uh, at least in Mexico, there's that, that's a that's a big pressure for, for the 20 something girls to get married, man. If not, bye bye, man. You're, you're, you're going to be single for the rest of your. So when you, when you say she believed, you know, like, what do you mean? Exactly. What do you mean? Exactly. She, she was just telling me like, do, do whatever feels right for you. You know, because I like, I wanted to quit the, the big ad company, but I remember that state, that age, man. Like uh, I was, anxious man I, like i woke up and i was just anxious all the time because i knew that a, a big change was coming but i didn't knew how i was going to take it so yeah the, when when i went back when i quit my my job it wasn't in the, in the best way possible like uh, i i just say dude see you man and then i started to steal uh clients and shit you know because I, I was anxious. I was like, yeah, there's nothing going on for me. So, yeah. So it took me one year to go back to that agency and say, hey, guys, let's grab a freaking beer and let's let's make the peace, man. I, I fuck up in this so many ways. You fuck up in these other ways. Are we good or are we not? So, yeah, it took me one year to 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 ask for forgiveness. Did CC motivate that to happen? No, it was me, man. I was like, yeah, my conscience, it's quite big. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, it doesn't let me, yeah, it doesn't let me alone. Okay, so back back to her when you were starting out your, your wedding photography business. Um, uh-huh. Like, what was, you went to the one wedding fair, you said, and you had one wedding under your belt and you borrowed your parents' TV. So you go, you go home from that and you're with CC and you guys, you said that you were broke. Like... What uh -huh. was what was it like for you at that time to try and kickstart this wedding photography business on your own with with your you know your girlfriend and no money? 
Well, the, the good thing uh, at that time was that uh, most of my friends, my uh, uh, my my grown up, uh, no, my ah, my children's friends, my when I was growing up, my they were getting married, man. So I did a lot of networking. I went to my hometown and I was like, I I went with the same fucking cheap albums that I went to the wedding fair. And I said, hey, guys, now I'm doing this stuff, man. If you know someone that's getting married, just promote me. And and they pimp, pimp me up. <laughs> <laughs> pimped you up, okay. They pimped me up, man, yeah. The, I, I, so the, my, my first few weddings, I don't know, my first four to five weddings were all friends from from, from my child years. You know, like from, from the same neighborhood. And I was... I, I didn't know what I was charging, and I was just, yeah, just give me something, man. I'm, I'm just going to do your video, I'm just going to do your photos, and just give me something, man. Don't worry, man. You know, so I started doing that stuff. And then uh, when CC and me got married, that's when I s- stopped the, the my wedding business with my friend. So I, I still remember on our first year anniversary, as newlyweds, uh, we went to a to a beach here in. We drove to a beach. We didn't flew or anything, man. We drove to a beach, and I had diarrhea, man. I was fucking dying, man, of diarrhea, and and I did my first website. You know, like uh, my wife was like sunbathing and she was having a great time, and I was in the fucking bathroom with my laptop, doing my website. My it was Big Folio. I, I, it was a company. I think they're still around. That. That they, you do like a templates and they do everything else for you. So I grabbed my best off pictures of the other company and I started my business company with my name. That, so yeah, thank, with diarrhea. Thank God, thank God you were shitting your your pants or what would have happened, or what, yeah, would, dude. what wouldn't have happened. Diarrhea, man. Diarrhea is the magic trick. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, so, all right. So you like you evolved pretty quickly. It seems to the international stage, I guess, if you want to call it that. When did you when did you feel like you started to get noticed by international photographers? Because it seems to me like your biggest audience probably is photographers. So when did that begin for you? Well, uh, when I did, when I became independent, uh, magic started to happen, man. Like uh, a few other friends in in Mexico, uh, I received a few emails like, "Hey, I'm also a wedding photographer. Let's hook up." And then another guy, uh, there's a, or there was like a wedding photography forum that's called DWF. I don't know if it's still around or not. And I met another photographer friend here in Monterrey. So we did like a small community of new wedding photographers. And we, we did like a, we did another website and we created this brand of the alternative wedding photographers. Of Mexico, if you want alternative photography in Mexico, you have you have to book us. You know, it, it was something like that. That was two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and and shit started to happen for us. Like you all got you all had diarrhea one one weekend, and you made a website <laughs> together, and shit started happening. Something like that, man. But yeah, it, it it was magic, man. And and again, like I found this community of good guys, man, that they were willing to quit their jobs to pursue something out of a fucking black box uh so yeah it was exciting all right cool so so earlier you said uh when i when i asked you about like the music videos and stuff and like 
why were you why were you doing that and you said because it was fun is that sort of uh-huh. like is that sort of the answer you might have for most of the things you do is it's fun so you yeah. just do it yeah i st- i stopped doing the advertising i stopped doing the video because it became a job no it was like yeah fuck i had to do it oh shit yeah so on, on weddings it became again you know it, it's fun it, it's hard as fuck and sometimes after your 12 hours you just want to throw the towel but still it's still fun for me it's it's more like a marathon now okay well i i sort of brought cc into this because like i feel like okay your work and your evolution it's sort of on the internet and that that probably could be easily googled if someone really wanted to find it but but your wife is really interesting because she's an entrepreneur as well so maybe you can describe what she what she does okay yeah well uh She's like a fitness blogger, per se. And yeah, w- when we met, uh, she was working again, uh, the same as me, as on a big company. And I, I don't remember that we had this chat, but I remember that feeling that we say, that we said that, hey, we have to live out of something that we enjoy and we love. So that's when she quit her job and she started doing the Pilates stuff. And I quit my job and I started doing the wedding stuff. So, yeah, she's a fitness blogger. She She's like uh, in Mexico. She's one of the freaking big names. Uh, like offering like uh, gym at home solutions for, for housewives. Uh, and she's doing all this networking with, uh, I don't know, like a psychologist. So they do a lot of tips about how you have to be comfortable with your own body. And she's very real. Like, I don't know, like she has uh, like beard marks instead of hiding them and using Photoshop to hide that shit. Her birthmarks? B- birthmarks, okay, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, she, she shows them with, with honor, with proud. Like, yeah, man, I'm a mother of three little fucking monsters, man. And these are my birthmarks. But it's, it's not an excuse to not be healthy, you know? So she's really, yeah, she's really promoting this, how to say, like natural movement of be healthy. It's not the same thing as being thin, you know? So, yeah, she has a lot of following because of it. So she's, she's risen to, uh, a, you know, a pretty high level, it sounds like, of success with what she's doing. And what I'm, I'm curious about is, like, oftentimes with artistic entrepreneurs, uh, it feels to me like they have a support system at home and, and maybe that support system uh, has like a, a real job, like a counting job or something like that. So the artist has a little bit more freedom because okay. the base has something more secure. But in your case, you two started out as, you know, individual entrepreneurs doing your own thing. So there wasn't that mm-hmm. there wasn't that like support. Um, or fallback if you want to call it that so i'm curious like what did you do to support her because often it's easy to ask you or other photographers like how was your wife or husband supporting you but like what were you doing to support her as she kind of rose to where she is now well uh like uh i remember our first christmas instead of buying gifts and shit we bought like a uh like a pilates thing that you have to lay there, it's like a bed, and you, you do exercises on a bed. And it was quite expensive for us at that time. And then instead of having like a living room, we invested in getting like a studio at home. 
so she could see all these students you know and that's 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 what we have done to support ourselves in like investing in 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 a not intelligent way but just in 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 a gut feeling that hopefully it's gonna multiply in the future what do you think she would say about you in those early days uh and how you supported her and i'm I'm curious because you said like she believed in you right and obviously you believed in her but what do you think she would how do you think she would have described you Ah, fuck, man. I don't know. Uh, because I'm because you say you're this daydreamer and you're you're local and but I bet that you're a little bit more serious when it comes to like these actual business decisions that she had to make. So what what do you think? What do you think she would say that you did in those early days? Oh man, yeah, I, I'm yeah, I'm the one that worries about money. She's more like yeah, yeah, God will provide and that stuff. So oh man. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one, man. I I don't know, man. Uh, we can ask her, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, well, what you what you just said there was interesting because you said you're the one who worries about money, and uh-huh. so it's not just about having fun all the time. Well, yeah, no, 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 no. It's it's the process, I think. Like, uh, I I don't see myself doing something uh, obligated to. You know, at least. Uh, it, it the beginning or the core or the groundings have to be have to be me you know but a lot of times it gets uh morphed into something else do you, do you feel that's happening now with any parts of your business like today where it's getting morphed into something else where it's no longer fun and no longer about you well yeah like a, like a, right now like the teaching part as well like a a lot of times, like uh, like way up north, awesome. But what the fuck can I provide to everybody else that is gonna be he- helpful? You know, I'm always worried about that shit. You know, I, I don't wanna I don't wanna tell them a success story and and say, okay, I I'm bigger than you and that stuff. It's it can't be like that. It has to be. If I did it, you were able to do it as well. You know that because I I have done it a few a few times. I think I'm I'm a repeating machine nowadays, and I'm, I, I want to change that shit. Uh, I don't know. Twenty sixteen, I want to stop doing a lot of things that I'm doing that I'm doing now. So, like your photography itself is, I mean, I feel like that's your baby. That's like that's fair, and that won't change at all because like you have total control of that. But with your with like your fair shops, you've been doing those for quite a few years now. Do you feel like those are going to be the things that maybe get morphed out because they've become something else? Yeah, yeah. The the the, the workshops they have to change. I like uh, I have denied a lot of stuff for 2016. Uh, a few are taking it good. A few are there are angry at me because I'm not saying yes to their uh, opportunities that they're giving me. But yeah, that has to change, man. So yeah, I'm sick of myself right now. So it's not it's not the travel and it's not the like being away from your three little monsters and it's not anything other than you just aren't feeling motivated anymore. Well, distance as well, it's starting to add up as well. So how how do you how do you deal with that? Like the distance because I mean you have a your your youngest is just a few months and your wife is self-employed as well. So I mean there's a lot of dynamics going on there. So how do you how do you cope with that? It's it's all about Thanks to my wife, man. 
it's 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 all going to my wife. I think I, I have found a formula to transform uh, nostalgia into into images. Like uh, I remember um, two weddings ago, I was doing uh, some portraits uh, with, with a good friend. Shirts is his name, uh, and he was like, "Yeah, man, your portraits today are very." are very serious. You're not using a lot of joy. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not using joy, man, because I don't feel joyful. What were you feeling? I was feeling nostalgic. I was I was missing my kids. So I was trying to create or express myself on the portraits. On moments, okay, it is whatever. I'm not going to pose or I'm not, not going to tell them do that again. But when I have control, I'm, I'm going to use it to express what I'm feeling right there. So that Jeff Bridges quote about Mary Ellen Mark, where it's impossible to separate a photographer's view from their images, it, it's, it sounds like it's completely true for you. Yeah, but uh, we, we, we are not in the same league. Like Mary Ellen Mark was fucking, it's an, <laughs> she was. I know, a, I, know artist, I know man. that. It's I know fucking, that. you know, wedding photography, man. <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's still wedding photography. So, but yeah, yeah, I th- yeah, I I am I am my my pictures. That's for sure. Well, I I don't know you. I I know that Mary Ellen Mark is in her own league, and there are other legends in their own league. But you still have mm. quite a distinguished style, and you can. I mean, nobody can copy that. And you're not. It seems to me you're not pulling influence from, influences from anyone. You're just creating fair stuff. So your your vision is pretty clear in your work. So I don't know. Maybe you are at that level. Who knows? <laughs> but but the thing is not the thing is like a like it's a it's hard to define your own shit, man. I think it's that you have to leave it to somebody else to do it, man. You know, it's a you just you just produce, you just create, and it's 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 cycles. Sometimes you are in the, in the more experimental side. Sometimes you go in the more romantic. Sometimes you don't know what the fuck are you doing. Sometimes you go to the safe spot because you don't know what else. So, like, I, I, I have tried to learn that stuff. That I'm, even though I'm always trying to surprise myself, it's not gonna happen every single time. So I'm, I'm okay with that now. But it's, it's sometimes it hits you hard. So what what kind of a place are you at right now with with your business and and your personal life? Because it sounds like in your personal life you got a lot of stuff going on with your kids and everything like that, and you can't travel the way you've traveled forever. Airport lounges get very boring. So where are you at yeah. right now? Where are you at right now? And and what do you feel might happen down the road? Well, I think I'm still gonna be traveling for weddings, but I think uh, the the workshop part I'm gonna try to make it more online. Uh, like this year, I have uh, three destination weddings uh, coming, so I I just say fuck it and I'm gonna bring my kids and my and my wife with me. You know, so it's not gonna be a a business. Uh, it's gonna be a family trip. So I, I'm trying to give back that stuff so they can see how I do it and uh, how how much I enjoy myself doing it but I I just want them to live an adventure as well. Okay. Okay. So do you feel like you got to a point where you kind of like had a line in the sand and it's like I'm going to continue traveling like a maniac or this is going to fade out? Yeah, I, I think for me 2016 it's going to be a very um this year it's been very transitional like I have 
uh, like mortal mortality finally hit me. Uh, so I don't want it. I don't want it to be paralyzed as well. That that's that's a, that's extreme. But 2016, I for sure want to do it more uh, locally. I, I I need to move my pieces. So just have more more faith into what's going to happen. And if not, let's open the piggy bank and try to live in a, in a easier way for next year. So what do you mean mortality hit you? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, the last like. Uh, Four months have been ups and downs in in a crazy way. Uh, like uh, our newborn Abba was born uh, almost five months ago, and then two months after that, my father passed away. And after my parent passed away, I, I was given a workshop uh, during my. I was in New Zealand, and then I just received uh, a message from from my brother, like, "Hey, things with our." Father are not good. He's in uh, ER. Uh, the next 72, 72 hours are critical. And I was like, okay, fuck me. And so we continued doing the workshop. And then um, I received a FaceTime call from Sisi. Hey, you know what what's what's going on? Yeah, Jorge just told me. And then I just saw her face, and I was like, yeah, it just happened. So there was a big cyclone or something going on in New Zealand and I couldn't travel that time. So I had I have to be 24 hours. I had to wait 24 hours. I had to rebook all my flights and and I arrived to Mexico to my hometown 3 days after my father passed away. Yeah, and just being there, man. You know, like I I don't know. It's it's the missing part, or more the seeing your mother suffer. You know, like uh, that shit hit hit me, and then seeing my my brothers as well. They're not very emotional. I'm the pussy one, so seeing them uh, how say bend as well. It was it was hardcore. It was like holy fuck. Okay, this is this is intense. And just I remember driving. It's a three hour drive, and I was just crying like a baby man like for I don't know half of the way just like that you can't stop what you're feeling just like wow man just like letting it go man just crazy wow it, it's 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 a feeling that it's you don't you don't feel it like that like every single day it's it's not common you know and then being the provider for 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 one of my brothers and my mother as well so Mortality, man. You you have to say, okay, yeah, fucking rockstar life of shooting awesome weddings. Okay, cool, but there's something more. You know, you you accomplish one dream that it wasn't a dream. I didn't plan to become a destination wedding photographer. Uh, so it's it's time to sit down and 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 see what's next. Take 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 charge. I don't want to grow up. I don't want to be. A, Talk up my shirt again, you know. <laughs> yeah, that that that's that's the reason for me to yeah. So so yeah, I, I have to. You know what? I, I don't have enough time to think on what's next. It's it's been just get back from a destination wedding, spend maybe twenty two hours home, and then travel again. So I need time to 
to to fix all my fucking Hari Hari Krishna things and, and and plan ahead. Wow. Well, sounds like things are going to change. Yeah. And and after that I broke my fucking uh wrist and then I was doing a workshop in Spain and I was choking, man. So it's been fucked up. Like the last 3 months have been uh how to say signs <laughs> per se of chill the fuck up for you know wow man <laughs> yeah wow that's heavy Th- thanks for talking about that uh that's nice. that's some deep stuff yeah it's 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 fucking things man you know you you i i cannot plan man there's no storyboard there's no script for what's coming so yeah it's just feeling it are you sure you still want to come to stockholm <laughs> fuck <it. laughs> no, if, if if i if i come my idea, if I find cheap flights, I'm going to bring my wife, man, for sure. And my, and my newborn, man. Okay, okay. But yeah, freaking, yeah, yeah, that's that's the idea. Well, we'll talk about that after and see how many, uh, see if we can work something out with some beer, some beer compensation or something. <laughs> all right, so, so all of that stuff aside, what do you think is like the most exciting thing for you in the future be in it sounds to me like you got a lot of stuff that you want to happen uh locally do you have anything um, mm-hmm. specific that you have in mind for kind of an addition to complement your current business uh no for me 2016 i, I want to become a student again in so many ways in so many things uh i don't know if it's possible but i want to forget about business for a year i don't know maybe it's fucking scary no, but I, I, if if we plan it correctly, I think it's it's possible. I don't I don't mean about not shooting weddings or no no no, but just stopping half of my business. That's the workshops, you know, just stopping that shit for for a year, or making it more uh, online or more uh, in my house or something. Well, don't let the cat out of the bag too early, I guess. It sounds like it's a it's an idea people are probably going to want to hear about. So if it's underdeveloped, I won't I won't push you about it yet. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Like, and the, and the thing is, for me, it's it's hard to develop things. Yeah, I I don't. Yeah, like okay, how do you start to do new things? Everything has happened for like by accident on my life. The successes, the failures, the the destinations, the workshops, the speaking, the speaking. Sorry, on in conferences. So it it has never been a plan for me. So now that it's on my side, like the ball is on my side, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, fair. That's a good way to end things. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, th- thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for sharing uh, as much as you did here. No, man. It, it's it's a pleasure, man. Talking with you every time. Now I'm, I'm just missing my beer, man. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, yeah, like every, every time I'm, 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 and with you or, or with Jacob, like, I dig this shit, man. You know, like, uh, like those are the times that I, I feel I do a lot of notes. I'm, I'm just thinking and dreaming and seeing what's next. Well, we'll talk more in person than uh, when you get to Stockholm about that. That's for sure, brother. All right, cool, man. Well, thanks a lot for your time and say hello to all of your family. Okay. Likewise, man. Be cock. <laughs> all right. Take care, Fur. <laughs> I hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Fair, for being open with everything and sharing your story, both the good and the bad. 
Thank you also again, Wooden Banana, for sponsoring this episode. Wooden Banana has some new and exciting products in the pipeline, so if you aren't already, you can follow them on Facebook. Just search for Wooden Banana or on Instagram at Wooden Banana Store. You can also follow Way Up North on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Way Up North 2015. And if you're interested in sponsoring an episode of this podcast, just shoot us an email and we'll take it from there. Thanks for listening and talk soon.